At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Sadiq. I'm here with Zach once again. Zach, Zach, we're doing it, Zach. We're doing it. We're trying to be consistent here. You know, I love it. This is going to be like the storyline of the summer to see if if me and you can actually stay consistent. And and and, and I'm hoping that the audience kind of like holds us up to it. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> How's yeah. it going, man? No, I think it's happening. I think it's happening. Yeah, it's going good. Uh, we got busy day going today, I think. So we'll see how this goes. Oh, yeah. B- busy day. Uh, I'm going to Columbia tomorrow for, for a, bachelor's, a bachelor party. So that, that 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 might be a little crazy. We we will have an episode on Thursday, so don't worry. Uh, but but yeah, like like this week is gonna be a little crazy for me. I'm hoping that I just make it back. That that's that's what I'm hoping <laughs> you for make it back. At, at this point, because uh, <laughs> it's a little dangerous out there. If you know what I'm saying, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> let's let's get right to it, man. Um, let's get into the rapid recap. Uh, there's been a couple of 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 things going on in, in the headlines, so. So, so go for it, Zach. Yeah. So start our rapid recap. So we, I think we've all heard the reports swirling recently about Leonard Fournette showing up to camp well overweight, around 260 pounds is the number that's been thrown around, and that the Buccaneers coaching staff, they weren't very happy about that. How concerning do you think this news is? And should we start the engine on the Rashad White bandwagon? Man, you know I've been started that bandwagon already, right? Like, <laughs> he was someone we had to draft. Uh, but I don't know if you've seen the pictures of Fournette. Like, he, he looks pretty big, dude. Like, he's pretty big in all these pictures that I've seen online. Like, it's not an ideal situation, uh, especially since the team is upset about it, right? Like, there is a chance he slims back down right. over the next few weeks. Um, but I am hoping this drives down his ADP uh, so that I could potentially grab him, like, at the end of the third or something like that instead of the end of the second where he's going right now. Um, listen, he just signed a big contract, right? Like they want him to be that guy for him. And, and I can't imagine them just like handing the keys, you know, to the entire backfield to Rashad White after they just signed him, you know, to that deal, right? So like unless he really like doesn't care about it and doesn't get, get in shape in time, like I don't see this being like a huge issue. Now, with that being said, like you got to take the shots on Rashad White, right? Um and you guys know, like, mm-hmm. that I'm a big fan of his. Like, if you've been, like, listening to, to, to me since, like, draft, like, the whole draft process before the draft, like, 
he reminds me of Alvin Kamara, you know, when he came out of college, like very good receiver, less polished in the run game, but has the size to have a three down role if necessary. Um, you know, he's going at the top of the 11th round right now on underdog. That price is going up <laughs> after this report, but he's always been a good target there, especially in PPR leagues. So, you know, and, and like I've been saying, like, he's always been a threat to Fournette's receiving workload, like regardless, right? Just because of how special he can be in that aspect of the game, right? We know how much Tom Brady loves to check down to his backs, um, you know, and he checked down to his backs even more if he had a guy like Rashad White running routes out of the backfield. I do think he's a considerable, could, could be a potential considerable upgrade over Fournette in the receiving game. So as of right now, I'm looking at him like a, you know, potentially, you know, deep PPR flex usage guy, you know, out of the gate, uh, you know, for, for Rashad White, but with the upside of him, you know, taking over this backfield, if Fournette like were to go down at some point in the season, um, he can be, in, I think he's an elite handcuff uh, right now and he's a bench stash at worst, uh, but it is possible he can have a little bit of standalone value in PPR leagues, especially in deep PPR leagues. Right. So you think he do you think he's up there with Tony Pollard in that sense? I don't think so. I think Pollard's workload, I in my opinion, I think it's kind of set in stone in terms of like his involvement, you know, in that backfield. Like what we saw last year was his like absolute floor and he was pretty involved, right? I think this year that involvement goes up a little more just because of how good he looked last year. Um I can see it being, you know, him being as involved in Tony Pollard. Uh, but, you know, it really depends on how, you know, he does in camp and all that. And by the way, rookie training camp starting this week, uh, you know, so and even today for a lot of teams. So, um, you know, it really depends how he looks in camp and, you know, he's going to get more opportunity. And, you know, if the if the coaching staff continues to stay pissed off at Fournette. Um, but I, I think it's possible. Um, and, and I kind of see that as his ceiling for year one, as long as Leonard Fournette is healthy if that makes sense right that makes sense and I, i'm not really personal con, personally concerned by the report either uh he's a bigger back just to begin with 260 you know it's not obviously a number you want to hear thrown around but he's 230 240 anyway when he's healthy and he's not you know the weight that he is right now or allegedly i mean i think he came out and actually said that he's 245 or something in a tweet i i, I saw that today or something i'm not sure if that's true or not but um, I think what it does, this report, is go. it opens a unique buying window for Fournette. I don't see this becoming an Eddie Lacy situation. I, I, I don't think – I mean, <laughs> Fournette's on a good team. I think he knows what it is to be an NFL back. If he comes in a little overweight, we hear these kinds of reports all the time. I think he'll slow him down. I think he'll be back to where he needs to be before the season starts. But like I said, if his ADP does slide, he's not necessarily a guy I'm targeting. But – at his price right now, even before the report, I wasn't really targeting. But if he goes down to the right price, like you said, if he slides back a whole round, then maybe I have to actually turn and look and be like, okay, yeah, we need to actually consider this guy. I could totally see that happening too. Yeah. All righty. And then we'll go on to our next one. We have Ian Rappaport reporting that J.K. Dobbins is quote-unquote no sure thing for week one, and he could be sidelined for the first few weeks of the season. And he also mentioned that Gus Edwards is a better bet to be ready for week one. Dobbins fired back at Rappaport in a tweet saying that he's, quote, damn sure going to be ready for week one. What do you think of this situation? Uh, you know, 
let's say Dobbins is back for week one, right? That doesn't mean that, you know, he's not coming back from an ACL injury, <laughs> right? It doesn't mean that he's not going to be in the backfield that will likely be shared with, with Gus Edwards. Um, he's not involved in the pass game, right? And we have no idea if he's going to get all the goal line work. Like all of the reasons why I was fading Dobbins still holds true, <laughs> right? So, and I'm going to repeat this right. all offseason long. So, you know, listen, the dude is a special talent, right? I can't wait for 2023, right? But he's not someone <laughs> I'm betting on having too much upside this year. You know, like, listen, even if Gus Edwards gets injured this year, like let's say Gus Edwards goes down, right? They will literally bring in Mike Davis to play the Edwards role and not even increase Dobbins' share. Like, that's literally what happened in Dobbins' rookie year. I can totally see it happening this year. And this he's coming off an ACL, right? I can totally see it happening now, especially, to keep him fresh and not overworked, right? Um, when I think it was like his rookie year, Mark Ingram went down and his workload didn't go up at all. They just brought in Gus Edwards and then he was doing his thing. So and he scored a bunch right. of touchdowns, you know, during that span, but literally averaged like twelve carries a game <laughs> during that span, mm -hmm. you know, after an injury to Mark Ingram when Mark Ingram was doing his thing. So um I'm I'm just like, you know, even if he's back for from a fantasy perspective, he's not someone that I'm looking to draft. Um now, listen, his price is gonna go down. <laughs> it's been going down, dude. His price might go down to a point where you're just like, All right, you know what? Like I'll I'll get a touchdown dependent back on a run heavy offense, sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'll do that, whatever. But for me, like there's so many wide receivers going around like that fifth round, sixth round spot where you know I'd rather just take those guys, especially in PPR leagues. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you 100% right there. I think that at this point in the offseason, the media they're just kind of grasping for straws with their headlines. That's kind of how I look at this. Not that I was targeting J.K. Dobbins or anything before this report came out or I was avoiding him either. He was just kind of, you know, on the board there. He was filler. I'll let someone else deal with him coming off an ACL. But um, all signals were go for him when it came to starting for week one. That's what I was hearing. So to hear this, kind, it, it makes it a little bit more interesting, but I'm not really paying too much mind to it. Um, I'm just overlooking it at this point because, like I said, I'm not really targeting J.K. Dobbins. But if it came down to it, you're right. I don't think they've really giving him a full workload. It seems like the training wheels are have been on and they'll stay on this year, if that makes sense. Because you said his workload didn't increase even when other guys got injured, weren't on the field. So I, I completely agree with what you said about targeting him. If his price drops enough, yeah, I'll take a touchdown dependent back. But also, like you said, I like a bunch of the receivers that are there. And even a couple of running backs. I mean, if you want to shoot upside, if you're, you missed out on a couple of the running backs in the rounds before, you could maybe make a little money there. I know we talked about Elijah Mitchell was it like an episode or two ago because his price is really low. Yep. I mean, I'll take him. I, I think he would be a good comparison as far as like if I had to pick one or the other, I'd probably pick Elijah Mitchell before even J.K. Dobbins. Me too. Me too, for sure. All right, that about covers it for a rapid recap, just those two headlines. We'll have another one coming up in the next episode. We just want to split these up a little bit so that we're not giving you guys too much in one and not enough in the other. Uh, we could jump right into players that could surprise in 2022. Um, I know we, we both Let's picked a couple players here that we thought, yeah, we both picked a couple players here that we thought, you know, they're not really in, like, you won't really say they're in a good fantasy situation, but they could easily outperform it and just kind of overcome that. Um, I had a couple, Faraz had a couple, and we can start with Faraz. If you want to give us your first candidate as a surprise player in 2022. 
Yeah, let's do it. Um, so let's start with James Cook. So right now the reports are that, you know, Devin Singletary, you know, is going to be their primary back and James Cook will be the passing down back, right? And, and are going to see snaps at receiver, right? So, you know, why do we want mm. Devin Singletary, right? Like Devin Singletary ran the third most routes and was dead last in yards per route run among running backs with 50 or more targets, right? Like this dude might not run any routes next year, <laughs> like with, with that kind of performance, right? Like <laughs> it's kind of a joke, right? right. Like, but, but James Cook can consume, you know, can assume a lot of that work. Like, like Singletary was also second to last in yards per reception. So the Bills were like desperate to find an upgrade there, right? They tried to bring in J.D. McKissick, obviously, then spend second round draft capital on James Cook. So uh, and you look at how Buffalo was using their guys, like top seven in pass plays per game and overall offensive plays per game. Um, so, you know, in full PPR leagues, I think Cook can surprise. And, and those who thought Josh Allen, you know, doesn't throw to running backs, you know, maybe they'll realize that he just didn't throw to running backs because he had Devin Singletary as his only option. <laughs> what do you think, man? Are, are, you, are right. you are you into James Cook? Like, do you think he can outperform his ADP? I think absolutely. And I know you were big on – I think you were pretty big on James Cook coming out of college and in, in your rookie kit. But – um. Any player on the Bills' offense is really worth taking a shot, as long as Josh, Josh Allen is that quarterback. And I just have a hunch that he'll carve out a nice role in the passing game. Like you said, I, th- I think he's the best talent they've had in the passing game in a while, especially at running back even, I'd say. He has the pedigree, obviously. He's brother of Dalvin Cook. So that's very encouraging to me, even though you know that has no statistical backup or evidence. But um, I think that's good <laughs> for him. And He's coming off the board as the 38th running back, according to Underdog ADP. And that's behind guys like Ramondre Stevenson and Kenneth Walker. And both of them have better quality competition, I think, ahead of them. So right. to be able to get him after them, I think, is really good value. I'm not really targeting targeting him to be my RB2 every week. But he has a potential to finish inside the top 24 if he could wrestle away enough touches from Devin Singletary, which I wouldn't be surprised if he did, like you just said. Singletary, he's not a he's not a receiving running back, plain and simple. Um, at his price, I'm more than willing to take that chance. He's young, he's dynamic, and he's on one of the best offenses in the NFL. This was a really good landing spot for him. It was, you know, I, I wanted him to land on on an offense that you know that passes a ton, because instead of Devin Singletary running all those routes, it's going to be James Cook running all those routes. That's how I see it, and I see him being targeted at a much higher rate than Devin Singletary was. James Cook and Rashad White, I think they were tied for the highest yards per touch among in last year's class. So there's a ton of upside here, you know, for James Cook. And, you know, um, apparently he's been bulking up too. So he, he might be eyeing for some early down work as well. Uh, I don't know if he'll get goal line stuff. That's Josh Allen's job. Uh, but, you know, he, he can, if he, if he can <laughs> right, get not like even five, six targets a game and then, on, uh, <laughs> and then on top of that get some rushing work, like uh, he, could, he could definitely surprise. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, absolutely. So a guy that you liked – uh, this year coming out also, I think, you know, potentially over, you know, producing, you know, at, at where he's being taken is Justin Fields, right? Uh, so tell me why right. you think Justin Fields um, can potentially, um, you know, surprise some people, especially where he's going in drafts. Right. So where he's going in drafts is super cheap. And I saw I posted it on my story at one time, my Instagram story, because someone summed it up perfectly. He is the cheapest dual threat quarterback you can get right now in fantasy. And his ceiling, I think, is through the roof because he's so young and he's really, you know, the Bears' best hope. He's the Bears' best offensive weapon. 
Nobody's really pinning him as the breakout quarterback from last year's draft class. That honor goes to Trey Lance, and I know you're really high on him heading into the season. And it's true, Lance is in a better offensive situation than Fields. But I kind of find it hard to project Fields to not take a step forward. Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, they're two solid options at, in the receiving core, and David Montgomery can be leaned on in the ground game to support him as well. I've talked about this with a couple of people in the community, and I've been calling Justin Fields this year's Jalen Hurts, and that might be a little bold. But what Jalen Hurts did last year was, in 2020, in his rookie year, he played a couple games, and he, he, he shone. You know, he had, the, he had the rushing chops, the rushing upside to be a good fantasy quarterback, and the passing was just kind of lacking. He took a slight step forward, I would say, from rookie year to last year in passing, and look at where he finished. He was, what, QB6 or QB7? And he was excellent. He didn't score less than 20 points, I think, till midway through the season. He was awesome because of his rushing upside. I, I see the same thing in Justin Fields. Any step forward in the passing game will be enough to propel him to, to relevance. I mean, last, last year he wasn't perfectly relevant, but I think that he takes that step forward. He has the opportunity to do that. He's young, he's athletic, and I'm not sure people are tuned in enough to what he can be when it comes to um, how effective and how productive he can be if – things click in Chicago's offense I mean they're, they're not bad they have a new coaching staff which I know we love much more than what he had last year every NFL fan wants to see that no one wants to have Matt Nagy sure. coach right now after seeing what he did all signs point towards a breakout <laughs> campaign potentially for Justin Fields so like you mentioned Matt Nagy right like he obviously didn't do Justin Fields any favors last year right the offense wasn't even catered to him at all it was like it was like he was continuing to run the Andy Dalton offense, right? And, and it's like, why? Look at this weapon that you just drafted, right? The, and the right. Bears in general didn't do him any favors this offseason either. It's almost like they're setting him up to fail. And that's kind of unfortunate, right? Like yeah. the offensive line still didn't get a big, big upgrade, right? He had no upgrade in weaponry. He lost to Allen Robinson. He has Darnell Mooney as his top option right now. He's a great receiver, but like, you know, he's not a, he's not a one. Right. Like get him a true one. Have Darnell Mooney compliment right. him. But it is what it is. Right. Like hopefully Cole can make and take that step forward. But I'll say this, like there is a chance he does this thing this year. It, it's because, you know, that, that the change to Matt Nagy to Luke Getze as the play caller, you know, can be more significant than we think. Like Luke Getze had a quarterback in his one year at Mississippi State who ran for eleven hundred yards and 13 touchdowns. Seventy three percent of those rushing t- attempts were designed one place. So like. Think about it. Like, not a lot of right. weapons, right? Are they going to use Justin Fe- Is he going to use Justin Fields a ton in the running game? It's very possible, right? Last year, and you compare that to Nagy, only 22% of Fields' rushing plays last year were designed, right? So compare that to the 73% Luke Getze had, had his quarterback do. And I mean, it's college, right? Different game. Uh, but we right. can definitely see yeah. that go up, right? Um, and you look at the rushing ability, right? Like, he has the chance of being in the top 10, uh, top 12, Right. Like it's that important. Like even if he throws only like 20 touchdowns this year and then he rushes for like 800 yards, like <laughs> that's that's a top 12 quarterback. Right. Um, so right. and by the way, his rookie season in rushing, like it was actually underrated. Like he was actually top 10 in rushing all time for a rookie quarterback. It doesn't feel right. like it, but it's true. Mm-hmm. So that potential no. is there. Like you mentioned, <laughs> like that, that sneaky potential that like Jalen Hurts type of th- stuff, what he showed his rookie year. You know, and and you know, Justin Fields had more, um, more opportunity and more, I guess you could say, like, uh, reps, right, in his rookie year. Um, he's yeah. going off the board as the what, QB sixteen, I think. So you know, people are catching on a little QB bit, 16? right? Like, it's not like he's going off as a QB twenty, 
Yeah, yeah. So right, you know, right. it, it's it's a bit of blind faith, right? But I think the upside is higher than most most of the guys going after him. Let's say. Right. I mean, oddly enough, I think I think even guys like Tua and Kirk Cousins might actually be going later than him. I'm not sure, but um, I I think that's kind no, of going right hilarious. Him, I, think. I I think that right right before him. Let me check. Yeah, we have. I think so. I think so. Actually, no. Tua Tua is going after Justin Fields, and Kirk Cousins is right. Oh, is right he? Before oh, interesting. Him. So there, those are that. Yeah, gotcha, that's the type gotcha. of competition we're looking at, as far as you know where he's being drafted. I think there is a little bit of blind faith, like you said, because we really don't know what we're going to see, and we know Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's almost like the Brandon Cooks of fantasy football uh, quarterbacks because um, he performs. <laughs> that's such every a good year. comparison. He's just. He's just it's just the name that kind of throws him off. And it's not that Brandon Cook's name throws him off, but nobody likes Kirk Cousins because he can't win a primetime game. <laughs> but he can win you your fantasy matchup. And we never and we never see Brandon Cook's at primetime. Right. <laughs> and then I, I think that if you want the safe option, and, you know, this kind of goes back to you and I, it seems like Justin Fields would be your pick and my pick would be Tua because, you know, Tua has all these weapons. He's in a good offense. I think the Dolphins did for Tua what the Bears should have done for Justin Fields in getting weapons. Um, that's kind of how I look at it. But I think Justin Fields still has the upside. No, I, I, I actually agree with you. No, I actually agree with you there. I think right. Tua is the safe option. Like, if I'm trying to get, like, I'll, I'll say this. If I am in, like, a regular 2QB league, right, and my second quarterback, I'm taking Tua over Justin Fields. If I'm in a tournament, right. Like with a lot of people, and I'm trying to differentiate myself, I'm definitely grabbing Justin Fields because he's could be a diff- differentiator. I think he has higher upside, right? So right. that's kind of how I play it. Absolutely. I think that's hitting the nail on the head with that one. All right. So the next guy that we want to bring up, a guy who could definitely out outscore where he's being drafted right now is Kadarius Tony. Um, I, I was not, you know, a fan of Tony coming out of college. His route running needed like so much work. Right, he was one of the most raw prospects I've ever seen at wide receiver. But the dude obviously put in a ton of work between college and the NFL, and, and it made sense though, like because he actually didn't play much wide receiver until his senior year. He would play, he was like a utility guy, right? Um, so he is a bit of an anomaly, right? A guy that like wow, like senior year you become a legit wide receiver, you perform as a wide receiver, but you know it's hard to kind of like project you into the NFL. And if you had to bet on it, you would say like, mm, I don't think so. Right. But like the fact that he was able to, to do what he did last year in certain spots, like it, it kind of like, you got to pay attention, right? He was able to hit a threshold of yards per route run, two yards per route run last year, right behind Jamar chase. Right. That's something to keep in mind. Like he didn't hit the, the number of route thresh, you know, the number of routes you're looking for, but that's something you gotta, you gotta look at and say like, okay, this dude can be special, right? Like players who've hit that threshold in their rookie year have a much higher percentage of being a serious fantasy asset. So I take my shots on him, right? And you look at the games he did play. And when he was in the field, he was extremely efficient. He had that 10 catch, 189 yard game, right? He had that six catch, 78 yard game. Um, But you know, the dude just couldn't stay healthy last year. He came back for one game late in the season. He had nine targets. Um, So that, that comes, that makes you think like, all right, well, what was his utilization rate? He was like he was fourth in the league in terms of like that basically means a percentage of snaps that a player is used, whether he was targeted or given a carry. Right. The top guys on this list, you know, were like A B and Debo Samuel, right? In terms of target per snap, he was seventh. Guys ahead of him guys ahead of him were like Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, 
right? So he's keeping good company, right? You can see why I'm intrigued, right? Like, so he's going right, off the board absolutely. at the wide receiver 41 at the at the 7-8 turn. And out of all the wide receivers in that spot, uh, he's one of my favorites there. Like, it's him and Michael Thomas where I'd kind of split shares on. Um, but, like, that's that's mm-hmm. a good spot for me, like, shooting for upside where there's no wide receivers there where I'm just, like, that I'm, like, I'm, I have to depend on, right? Like, I'm kind of over my, like, dependency at that point where, like, wide receivers that I need to depend on, I can kind of shoot for upside. Right. And that's kind of what I'm going with with uh, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I agree with you. And you talk about his utilization percentage being fourth in the NFL. You know who isn't ahead of him? Kenny Galladay. And that's the guy that the Giants signed to be the true wide receiver one. He is, he's pretty much being targeted more than him in that offense. Now, granted, the Giants offense isn't anything to be like, oh, yeah, this is an elite offense. This will produce a bunch of wide receivers. Uh, what's it called? Wide receiver ones for fantasy. But um, to have Kadarius Tony do that in his rookie year, you know, I thought that was pretty impressive. And, you know, he, he hung the 189 yards on my Cowboys in, what was it, week five or six? I remember that fondly. So as a fantasy analyst, I was like, wow, this is awesome. But then, you know, as a Cowboys fan, I'm like, oh, this kind of sucks. But he made an impression on me. I think that he's definitely one of the best upside picks. I think he definitely could surprise. Um, it just comes down for me to Daniel Jones, and I, I, I'm not a fan of Daniel Jones. I don't think that he's necessary. I don't want to say that he's not a starting quarterback in the league, but I can tell you that he's not really good for receivers in fantasy football. He doesn't really produce many strong receivers. I actually did a write-up, and I'm pretty sure it remains true because I don't think any of the uh, Giants receivers finished much higher. I did a write-up about a year ago about Daniel Jones, and he didn't. he's never had a fantasy receiver, I think, finish over wide receiver 37, if I remember correctly, based on my research that I did. That might have changed, but I don't think it did because, you know, the Giants weren't very good. Um, Daniel Jones, he's good. He has legs. So that makes him kind of fantasy relevant, but when it comes to having a good receiver, it's uh, not so good. So I think whatever Kadarius Tony does will be dependent on Daniel Jones, and I'm not sure how confident I am in Daniel Jones. Everything would have to click correctly. I think that he is a good upside pick. He could definitely surprise, but if I'm talking about do I think he's going to surprise, I'd say maybe not. (laughs) See, like the only guy who was able to really be consistent with Daniel Jones was Sterling Shepard. Like when he was healthy, right? Like Sterling Shepard was like a top twenty-four wide receiver, like you know, and obviously he couldn't finish, right? Because he, he Sterling Shepard was known for like not finishing seasons, right? Um, <laughs> but when he was healthy, it was like you better have Sterling Shepard in your lineup, right? Especially in PPR leagues, like he was killing yeah. it, top twenty-four easily. Um, he was a target so king. I think you know, yeah, it's just a matter of com- he was target king, man. And like if Kadarius Tony can take over that slot, take over slot duties. Um, that could be huge. So we'll see what the Giants end up doing. Like, I don't even know where these guys are going to line up, dude. They have Tony. They have Shepard. Right. Right. Uh, Shepard has a pretty bad injury, though. Um, they have uh, – they just drafted Wandell Robinson, right? They have Kenny Galladay. Let's see what they do. They, they still have Darius Slayton, right? So, like, so, right. so let's see, like, how these guys line up. I have no clue what they're going to do. So it'll be interesting. Brian Dable, you know, I'm interested to see what that depth chart ends up looking like. I'm looking forward to camp reports. That's something that I'm going to be, I'm going to be paying attention to a ton to see you know, what that looks like, but it should be interesting. Now, another guy who is in an interesting situation where you might not think like, you know, a backup can emerge is the, the Patriots backfield and Ramondre Stevenson, right? Now I like Ramondre a lot as a player. Like 
if you go back and actually look at my pre-draft rookie running back rankings from 2020, right, which was like not this past year, but the year before, I actually had him ranked pretty high on my pre-draft list. Like, I think I've had him fourth or fifth after the big three, right? The big three being like Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and, uh, and Javante. Uh, but like, even in a crowded right. backfield, that's just a little, a little like uh, a little pat on my back there. I just want to say, um, and uh, <laughs> I also, I also called. I just want to say Elijah Mitchell. Like, if right you've been there, paying yeah. attention, Elijah Mitchell. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just want to, just want to put that out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, right, uh, right. And also, what, what's the what's the Bears running back? Also, what, what's his name? Um, uh, the, the backup David Bears Montgomery? running back who did his thing last year. No, 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 no. The backup, oh, the backup who did his thing last year. I can't remember. Khalil Herbert. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And him too. You know what I'm saying? Khalil I called Herbert, him. Yeah. See, here's, here's the thing, man. I just want to let you guys know. Let you. I just want to let you guys know what's up. Okay? Like, all you got to do is just listen. That's it. That's all you got to right. do. Okay? All you got to do is just listen. And, and and all the answers. I give you all the answers. <laughs> it's, it's important sorry, to keep sorry, receipts, just, especially when you're right. No, you're just, good. Take your victory last year. Especially you're when it. you're right. Especially <laughs> when you're right. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't know how, like, if you got, so the people who have been, like, are really listening, they're probably just like, oh, my God, here he goes again. Of course, he's going to talk yeah. about Elijah Mitchell. And, of course, he's going to talk about Khalil Herbert now that he talked about Elijah Mitchell. And, of course, he's going to talk about Ramondre Stevenson. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I just, I just had to do it. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> so... Last year, right? Ramondre, let's go back to Ramondre. Let's go to let's go to Ramondre Stevenson now. Let's, let's, that's enough about me. Let's talk about Ramondre. Um, <laughs> he was in a crowded backfield, right? But right. he forced his way onto the field. Like he kind of forced his way into a committee approach, right? Between him and Damian Harris. Like even when Harris became healthy, towards the end of the year, like Ramondre was like splitting, splitting that load, right? There was no upside for Damian Harris anymore unless he was scoring multiple touchdowns in a game, right? Um, there's no, there was no like, okay, Damian Harris is healthy now. So Ramondre, you're going to go back to the bench. No, he's going to, he was staying involved throughout. Um, the other good thing about Ramondre was that he was trusted way more in the receiving game than he was given opportunity. Uh, you know, than he was given opportunity there, right. As a rookie. So for, for, uh, for a Belichick rookie to be involved in the receiving game, like that, that's, that says a lot, right. Especially, you know, considering right. that he, he refused to get, get Damian Harris involved in the receiving game. He refused to get Sonny Michelle involved in the receiving game. And and both of those guys are capable and they were capable in college. So that shows you how much they like Ramondre there. So if James White is going to continue to be hurt, apparently he's still not right. That's what the reports are right now. It's very possible that Stevenson not only shares some early down work with Harris to start the year, but he also picks up the slack in the receiving game left by James White. Uh, and then if Damian Harris goes down, Stevenson has RB1 upside. I really I really think that. You know, because of the fact that he'll get early down work, he'll get some receiving work, and he'll get goal line work. So I think he's a great bench stash, you know, at the very least. He's someone that kind of like the type of running back that I want to keep on my bench, like all year long. Right. He's one of the few right. guys, right? He's maybe like five guys, right, in the entire league that, you know, might, you know, be borderline startable as like an RB3 flex guy in PPR um, until, you know, all it takes is a Damian Harris injury, right? So right. I think he's a great bench stash at the very least, um, a high upside one, uh, you know. And I'm hoping that he has, he does have some standalone value, even what, even in what seems like on sur- on the surface, seems like a pretty crowded backfield. He's going off at the nine ten turn, so I do like the upside pick there. Like I think of him, like you know, there's been a bunch of running backs last year where like I just have him on my bench and just wait, 
you know, until opportunity comes. And, like, you know, you put him in your lineup and your flex, like, when a guy like Damian Harris is down, like, he's going to win you your week, right? And those are the type right. of guys I like to keep on my bench. So I think he's going off, you know, good price, good upside. So I'm, 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 I'm feeling him uh, a lot at his, at his price this year. Yeah. No, I'm in agreement with you on this one, too. And I think it is fair to point out that Damian Harris, it was massive, I think, overproduction last year with 15 touchdowns. I don't think we're going to see anything close to that again this year. Because even when he had a three-touchdown game, I think he finished with 28 points. So that means he's only getting 10 points out of it. (laughs) And that's nothing. He's a pure ground game running back. And I don't think that the Patriots want to use him in any other way than that. He's a good hammer at the goal line, but I think that you're absolutely correct when you say that James White, if he's not there, if he's not taking that receiving work, that Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the guy to pick it up. And then, you, like you said, uh, Damian Harris, if he gets hurt, he could take even take on even more responsibility. I think Ramondre Stevenson, like you said, is an excellent stash as well. Um, he, he, he didn't have... Like it wasn't ever like a bad game. You never saw him on the field and like, oh, well, that was a two-yard run. He could have cut it back, gotten ten yards. You, you didn't really look at him and say, like, oh, he's not making the most of his opportunity. It's just he didn't have that opportunity. So I think you're right. If it goes, if it shifts to like a, a really even fifty-fifty split, I think we saw a little bit more of Harris in you know money situations than we did Ramondre Stevenson. Say it splits yes. that way. I think that you're looking at yeah, definitely potential top twenty-four if the cards fall correctly. And there were moments where you're like, wait, why is – if you had Damian Harris in your life, like, wait, why is Ramondre in at the goal line? Like, we saw moments like right. that last year where, you know, Damian Harris was obviously the primary goal line guy, but Ramondre got his touchdowns in even with Damian Harris out. Like, for example, like let's say Damian Harris scored, like, two touchdowns early on. Like, Ramondre got mm-hmm. his, you know, his opportunity at the goal line next. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like – Damian right. Harris was like the guy, like at the goal line, no matter what. It, it, it wasn't really the case. So, you know, he's a guy that you can kind of plug in your lineup, you, you know, you know, just if you have to in a pinch. Uh, you know, worst case scenario, right? Like, let's say somebody goes down, you're like, all right, you know what? I'll because right. he has upside, right? He can get, he could give you a touchdown. He could grab, a, a, you know, a, grab a couple catches for you, uh, and then rack up like ten to twelve carries, right, behind Damian Harris. So. Right. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. not bad, right? The nine ten turn, that's not bad at all. No. And then you obviously know what kind of upside that he presents. Right. And Ramondre Stevenson, um, do you think that the Patriots offense, I mean, I, we know Mac Jones isn't, he's not, I mean, he might not be there. He, he could be a good passer, you know, but he's just a game manager right now. He's not really taking over the game. They'll rely on the run game. Do you think that yeah. the Patriots offense is run heavy enough to support maybe both of them sneaking into like a top 35. <laughs> and th- I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm just wondering because we're talking about splitting the load. Do you think there's enough there? I think that there might be because I don't think they're going to be very pass heavy. I think so. I think so. When you say top 35. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take much to be in that top 35, yeah. to be honest. You know, and, and I do remember last mm-hmm. year, there were a ton of times where I had both of these guys in like my top 30. Like there were times where, like in my weekly rankings, right. I had them up there, you know. Um, especially as like the so weeks would you went go on, that both far to say producing. Yeah, would you go that far to say top thirty then? <laughs> Maybe that one's a little bit more. It's tough. possible. It's very, it's very possible. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think it's, you know, I think both these guys are talented enough, you know, where it's possible that that you, because because they really want to depend on that ground game, 
right? They really do. So, uh, you know, if, right. if they continue to do what they did last year, then I could, I could totally see that continuing into this year. Yeah, definitely. All right. And then the last guy that we're looking at that could surprise in 2022 and is a guy that you've been, you know, kind of pounding the table on, I think, this whole offseason is Rondell Moore, the wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. Could you tell us your reasoning behind that one? Yeah, I, you know, I think, first of all, while DeAndre Hopkins is out, like Rondell Moore can potentially, like, rack up eight targets a game. Like, it's going to be Hollywood, Zach Ertz, and, and Rondell Moore, right? Last year, Kirk... AJ Green and Ertz were getting their fair t- fair share of targets when Hopkins was out, right? I mean, AJ Green wasn't able to do much with it, but we know that Rondell Moore will, right? We were itching for Moore to get more opportunity last year, and, I, and I'm going to say more, more, like probably like five or six times in the more, next like more. two minutes. But like, <laughs> we want more, more, and, and we were itching to get it, right? Because so <laughs> if you look at how often he was used, we were talking about u- utilization rate earlier um, with Kadarius Tony. Uh, Rondell Moore was had the seventh highest rate in the league in terms of you know percentage of snaps you know getting a carry or a target 19.6 percent of a snap so and and like, like I said before big names on this list right here Antonio Brown Cooper Cup Tyreek Hill Devontae Adams AJ Brown Deontay Johnson okay uh, Christian Kirk was simply in his way last year right Kirk was their primary slot receiver he stayed healthy pretty much the entire year uh, and now he's gone and Moore is going to be on the field on almost every snap in the slot you know with Kirk gone. So, you know, whether and that's whether Hopkins is playing or not, right? Like it's right. like it's not dependent on whether Hopkins is there or not. Moore is going to be in the slot, right? So I, I like Moore a lot, you know, in full PPR leagues. I think his A dot, you know, might not be as short as it was last year. Um, but it can definitely be short, right? It is going to be relatively short. So not a whole lot of downfield targets potentially. But remember the coaching staff, you know, did say that they are expanding his route tree and he is expanding it and he's going to get those opportunities. So that's good. That's what you want to hear. Uh, so it'll be interesting to, sa- to see how he handles that, how the team handles that. Uh, but he's a wide receiver 42 right behind Kadarius Tony. So uh, I don't think he has as much upside as Tony, um, I think. But some someone who might have a higher floor, potentially, maybe a more secure role than Tony in full PPR leagues. So depending on what you're going for, right? Like if you're like, shit, man, I didn't really didn't draft any wide receivers. I need someone to kind of hold me down. In PPR leagues, I'll probably go with with uh, Rondell Moore. If I'm like, I have my wide receivers all set right now, I'm just going for upside, I'll probably draft Tony in that spot. Right. And I, I think that what we're kind of going to see in Arizona, especially with DeAndre Hopkins being out, and I'm not saying it's going to be a circus act, but I think we're going to see a little bit of, you know, target share being in limbo. There's not going to be really anyone standing out. Because Rondell Moore, yeah. I think, is going to have significant target share. Marquise Brown obviously played with Kyler Murray in Oklahoma. But I, he's going to be no – it's going to be the first few weeks of the season. They might take a little bit of time to gel again. I, I don't think that they're going to have any issue doing that. But I think in the meantime, while they're getting that together, that Rondell Moore could be like a primary benefactor. And then, you know, DeAndre Hopkins coming back, that could just shake it up even more. And who knows, you could have maybe Rondell Moore outpacing Marquise Brown at that point. <laughs> I think it'll come down to it. There's so many good targets there that I think – each of them will have their own game. And I think Rondell Moore would be a really good uh, player to have, like you said, in a situation where, oh, I didn't, like you said, if you don't draft any wide receivers or you don't draft enough wide receivers, you have to pick somebody to kind of, you know, fill that void. Rondell Moore, I think he's going to turn out at least one or two wide receiver one weeks, especially early in the season. I think that's where he has his best chance to do it. But um, 
I think he absolutely has the upside that you're looking for, especially um, back where he's being taken right now. Like you said, not as much as Kadarius Tony, but I think the the combination of upside and floor just kind of makes him a sweeter target for me. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely hear that, and and I agree. Um, I think Hollywood. See, if I had to guess what the target shares are going to look like, let's say without. Let's say even with DeAndre, right? Like I would say, like DeAndre and Hollywood, I do think their target shares are going to be relatively similar. I would say near mm-hmm. twenty between twenty-two and twenty-four percent. That's kind of how I see it. So guys like guy like Rondo Moore, I see around like maybe like eighteen percent. Um, and then you could see something like you know Zachary is potentially getting you know that fifteen to eighteen percent you know, looks as well. Right. And then with everybody else kind of just like falls in right. after that, that's kind of how, how I see the target share playing out. Um, but 18%, like for a PPR guy, I think is pretty good. Um, you know, and I do think he has some big playability in him as well. After they get the, after he gets the ball in his hand, he's dynamic right after he gets the ball in his hand. So I'm, right. I'm looking forward to seeing what this offense can do. I'm looking forward to see him on the field. It just adds a different, you know, you know, just a different, um, you know, a dynamic, you know, to that offense. This offense is going to look different. You know, I do feel that it's going to look different this year. Yeah. Um, you know, with Hollywood there, you know, with, with Rondell being on the field more. Uh, so it's, I'm, I'm looking, I'm look, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what this offense can do. I'm just hoping that Cliff Kingsbury doesn't uh, stifle it. <laughs> That's right. kind of how I feel about it. I, I think that, um, yeah, I think that Hollywood Brown kind of serves as like a pretty much upgrade at the same role that Christian Kirk had. Because, you know, Christian Kirk was their deep threat seems like when, well yeah he was their deep threat even though deandre hopkins obviously is a good he, player. He, you know he more. was he was their deep threat and like he played this like hybrid type of slot role right where like he right. was running some deep routes you know out of the slot and he's a good deep threat right so that's the thing he kirk was playing mm-hmm. on the outside two years ago and he was doing his thing on the outside as well but he just you know he's just a little bit better of a player a better player inside i i think that hollywood yeah. is going to play on the outside I do. I do. I think yeah. he's going to end up playing on the outside. I think AJ Green is going to come in rotationally, uh, and I think Rondell Moore will find his home permanently on in the, on the inside. And so is Zach Ertz. So I think Zach Ertz and 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 Rondell Moore are, will be the primary slot receivers, and I think it'll be Hopkins and Hollywood on the outside with AJ Green kind of coming in and obviously having that role, you know, while Hopkins is out. So yeah, that's all we had today. Um, we we basically went through a bunch of guys who we thought that you know could surprise, you know, given their ADPs, given their situations. Like, you know, somewhat usually we look at situations we're like, well, you know, this isn't ideal, but we kind of want to look a little deeper and you know provide some insight into to guys who could potentially surprise and and uh, you know pop off, you know, from these non-ideal you know fantasy situations that you know that we see kind of on the surface, right? So I uh, hope that helps you guys. Um, that I think that that'll do it for me and Zach. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys could rate and review the podcast, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on, on Apple podcast, that would be amazing or whatever your podcast platform is. That would be awesome. Uh, it only takes a couple minutes, so I would really appreciate that. So, uh, for me and Zach, I'll see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday for the next episode for the mailbag episode, just like we did last week. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode, make sure you check that out. I'll talk to you guys soon. See ya.